Lord, we thank you. What a privilege once again this afternoon that, God, we can hear your word. We thank you for, for being with us just now as we worship you. I pray that, Lord, as we ponder upon your word, open our hearts to ready to receive it and to obey it. I pray for your anointing upon Pastor Kokfai as you share forth your words with power and with convictions and with your anointing. We commit him to you, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Benjamin Franklin. Does that name ring a bell? Anybody knows who he is? Mean anything to you? It's a hundred US dollar question. But I don't have the money, okay? The hundred US dollar bears his face. Well, for those who who not very clear who he is, he's one of the founding fathers of America. He was the first ambassador from the US to France. And in those days, in the 1700s, uh, France and U.S. were very close. And he wrote a short story once. You see, he attended this group called the Infidels Club. Okay? Uh, you hear the name, you know that they are anti-Christian or anti-Christian. So they spend most of their time uh, searching for literary masterpieces and they want to read them. Um, so one time, Benjamin Franklin read the Book of Ruth to this Infidels Club as they gathered, but he changed all the names in the book of Ruth to names that people will not associate with the Bible. And when he finished, members of the Infidels Club were unanimous in their praise. He said, this is one of the most beautiful short stories ever written and is a remarkable literary masterpiece. So can you imagine the kick that Benjamin Franklin got when he said, hey, I just read to you from the Bible, from the book of Ruth. Today and two Sundays from now, next Sunday we'll have a Boys Brigade dedication. So today and a fortnight, we're going to look at the story of uh, Ruth. But it's, it's more than a story. It's actually quite instructive. It tells us about the practices of uh, certain Jewish laws. Uh, it's also prophetic. And, and some commentators have said that you cannot understand Revelation chapter 5 if you do not understand Ruth. And we'll get into that in two weeks but today, we look at names. And if we turn to Ruth chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4, there's a bunch of names here. Let me read. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to surgeon in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. Whole bunch of names here. The context in those days, everyone in Israel did what they thought was right in their own eyes. You can see that in the book just before Ruth, in Judges, the last verse, it says that. That famine was God's judgment on the land. And Elimelech jumped from the frying pan into the fire by emigrating to a land where the people worship Chemosh, one of these gods, which is called the abomination of Moab. Judges chapter 10, verse 6 tells us, the people of Israel again 
did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve Him. That was the context. But let's take a look at the family of Elimelech. Eli or El. El means God in Hebrew. Melech means king. So Elimelech means God, king. Or my God is king. And he did not live up to his own name by emigrating to Moab and very, very likely worshipping the gods of Moab. And he died in Moab. His wife, my delight, Naomi. Nice name. Two sons, strange names. Marlon means sick. Well, maybe when he was born, he was a sickly baby. And he married Ruth, which means friendship. The other son, Kilion, means pining. Like maybe he was always crying for something in uh, childhood. So two sons with not very good, not very auspicious names. And Kilion married Orpah, means gazelle. I think, nice name, huh? Swift and uh, Swift and what now? Whatever lah, Swift. But Orpah, Orpah, Orpah is an interesting name. It was the original name of this woman, the name of success, Oprah Winfrey. You see, what happened there was people mispronounced Orpah, as in Orpah Winfrey, to Oprah so many times that she just gave up. Okay, just call me Oprah. Okay, so that's how she's now called Oprah Winfrey. Just like last Sunday, Ed Poussin, Ed Poussin is called Ed Poulsen. So he also gave up. Okay, like just call me Poulsen. And did you read today's papers? Some of you wake up too late to read it. Lah. Okay, that's a guy's name. A, B, C, D, E. His name is F, C, D. Seriously, you read today's papers. His name is A, B, C, D, E. Pronunciation, F, C, D. All kinds of names. The, the book of Ruth ends, again, with a whole bunch of names. If you look at Ruth chapter 4, verse 12, and it says, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This young woman is, is Ruth, talking about her descendants. And it's a really strange blessing. It invokes three names, Perez, Tamar, and Judah. And if you were here last Tuesday, you would have heard uh, some teaching about this, this, what is it, unholy episode in, in history where Judah had sex with his daughter-in-law because uh, she became a widow. It's, it's a crazy period. And then the last verse of Ruth takes the cake. It has a whole genealogy, many names, and I'm not going not to read because it's really a tongue twister. Question is, are these good names? Or bad names. Last week, Reverend Ed Poisson, or Poisson if you like, talked about what your conduct and your character reveal about your confession, remember? And then he also said something like this, which I'm going to twist a little bit. Does your life express, what did he say? Can't something, something, something. Lips profess, okay? I'm going to change it. Does your life express what your name professes? Okay, some of us have fantastic names, okay? My dad called me like the glory of the country, okay? That's my name. Wow. So does your life express what your name professes? 
So the question is, did Naomi have a good name? My delight. See, I, I find that many commentators, they like bend over backwards to explain how virtuous Naomi was. Let me offer you a contrarian view, okay? Now, if Elimelech died soon after arriving in Moab, then Naomi would have been the matriarch of the family. She would have been boss of the family. And I think she might have orchestrated or at least permitted her sons to marry Moabite women. And it would almost certainly in those days meant the worship of the abomination of Moab, this god called Chemosh. And she had no intention of, of returning to, to Israel. They lived there 10 years until she heard there was bread in Israel, that there was food in Israel. And though, so she decided to return back. But when her sons died, she wanted to go back and she insist, insisted that her daughters-in-law, both widows, now go and find Moabite husbands, which again meant that she would allow her daughters-in-law to just go back and worship the, goddess, uh, the gods of Moab. And then when she returned to Bethlehem, Bethlehem is Beth, Beth means house, Lehem means bread, the house of bread. When she returned there, nowhere was it mentioned in the Bible about Naomi confessing her sins of having left the country and, and the sons marrying Moabite woman and all that. Not a sense of regret ever in leaving Israel in the first place. Instead, she said that God was cruel to her. God was a capricious God, and God was the source of all her sufferings. She was a bitter woman, blaming God for everything. Chapter 1, verse 13, the Lord has gone out against me. Chapter 1, verse 20, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Chapter 1, verse 21, I went away full, going into Moab, but the Lord brought me back to Jerusalem, to the house of bread, empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And then when she arrived in, in Bethlehem, she didn't appear to work. She left it all to Ruth. And she came out with this scheme of getting Ruth to propose to Boaz. Highly questionable. It sounds like an indecent proposal. Because nowhere else in Scripture, or even in other literature, as some commentators say, was a marriage proposal ever done this way. And let's see exactly how she did it. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 3, Naomi told Ruth, Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. And then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. So she got Ruth to dress up, to perfume up, to lie at the feet of the man when that man had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry in another verse in Ruth. Merry means intoxicated. And that man himself was startled when he woke up in the middle of the night to find a woman under his blanket at his feet. And I don't think that Naomi was ignorant. She must have known that Boaz was not the nearest kin. But she knew that Boaz was the richest kin, maybe. And so she targeted him for Ruth, like a surrogate gold digger. You know, the proper way in Chinese culture, in Indian culture, I believe in Middle Eastern culture, would have been for Naomi as the mother-in-law of um, Ruth, who is a widow, 
to go to Boaz or to go to Boaz's parents, for example, and then to try and arrange a marriage. But she schemed it in a more sensual, sexy way. So, what have I just done? I have painted Naomi in a very bad light. In fact, I've made her name smelly. Okay, that's a Chinese saying, right? Ning la. I made her name smelly. In other words, I've given her a bad name. But I have made, I have, may have been unkind. And, and some commentators will pose this logic. It says, Naomi must have been a good and kind mother-in-law. Otherwise, why would Ruth leave her own people to follow this cantankerous mother-in-law back all that way to, to Israel? And it wasn't Naomi's fault to decide to emigrate to Moab. She wouldn't have been a party to that decision. It would have been the husband who made that decision. And her son's marrying Moabite woman, who says that she gave consent. She might not even have given consent. And her bitterness, can you imagine the extreme grief of losing a husband and losing your only two sons? It was a bitterness of a soul that I'm sure God would have been compassionate uh, for her and God would not have despised it. So Naomi's name, I leave it to you. Good name, bad name. Let's turn to Ruth. Did Ruth have a good name? Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law, escorted her all the way back to Israel. And these classic lines that are sometimes used at weddings, and I believe these lines would have impressed the infidels club, remember? Benjamin Franklin said, wow, this is fantastic poetry. This, this is uh, beautiful language. Ruth chapter 1 from verse 16. And Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you, speaking to Naomi, to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. Beautiful. Although it's written for, for a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law, but sometimes people use it for the bride to the groom. Now, when the two widows arrived at Bethlehem, it was Ruth who took the initiative to go find work, to go find food as a foreign worker in Bethlehem. And what was her job? Her job was to glean. We'll talk more about this in two weeks. And that is just to gather leftovers in the harvest fields that people have just gone through one time. You just go and pick up the leftovers that people did not harvest. That means the lousier uh, parts of the harvest. And can you imagine her the, the ostracism she would have suffered as a foreign worker, a poor foreign worker just picking up the pieces? It's as though and I've experienced this in the Philippines before in, in the good old days uh, of Clark Air Base where you go to a hawker center in the Philippines, you eat. When you finish eating, the moment you leave the seat, a whole bunch of people will come around and take all your leftovers. It's really quite disgusting. But it's sort of like that. And so, Ruth, chapter 2, verse 3, so Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan, a relative of Elimelech. 
Verse 7, she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. And so she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And you can see that Ruth was no schemer. God was the schemer. Although nobody knew it, knew it at the time, because of all the fields that Ruth could have gone to work on, it so happened, as the Bible tells us in verse 3, it so happened that she came to Boaz's field. And she worked hard from early in the morning with only a short rest. And she was kind to her mother-in-law. And she took initiative to work. And she was hardworking. No wonder she had a good reputation. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 11, but Boaz answered, Ruth, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord will repay you for what you have done. And a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have now come to take refuge. And then in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do this for you. Uh, I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. In another translation, know that you are a virtuous woman. And then when Boaz gave Ruth generous helpings of food at his table, what did Ruth do? She tapped out for mother-in-law. She packed part of the food that was given to her for Naomi, the mother-in-law. And she was not frivolous as in chasing after younger men. Ruth chapter 3, verse 10 and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you had not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And then she was better than seven sons. And chapter 4, verse 15, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to a descendant for Naomi. So she was kind, she was hardworking, she took initiative, she had a noble character, she didn't chase after young men, she was better than seven sons. Is that a good name or what? Now we turn to Boaz. Did Boaz have a good name? His name means swiftness, like Usain Bolt. Fast. And if you read the full story of Ruth, you'll find that he's a pretty fast worker. What, what did he do? He greeted his workers kindly in chapter 2, verse 4. When he meets his workers, he says, the Lord be with you. And his workers answered, the Lord bless you. It was a, a kind, holy uh, a blessing. And he lets Ruth, a foreigner, sit and eat at his table, chapter 2, verse 14. And then he took pains to see that no harm comes to Ruth and did that behind the scenes, chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. And he secretly asked his servants to leave more grain. So don't pluck everything out from the harvest, leave more grain so that Ruth can get more food, chapter 2, verse uh, uh, 16. And he appreciated her kindness to uh, her mother-in-law and her godly character, chapter 2, verse 11. And he invoked the blessings of God upon Ruth, uh, verse 12. And he acted honorably when he was startled to find this young woman at his feet, under his blanket, in the middle of the night. Chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. He might just like, turn around and rape her or something. And he acted honestly in acknowledging that, hey, I'm not the nearest kinsman. Actually, the other kinsman would have right of first refusal. 
to buy your land to take over you as, uh, as a wife. And he was honest and honorable in doing that. And then he protected Ruth's honor by sending her away quietly. Now, if you believe that Ruth had done something a bit on the edge of morality by going under his, his, his blanket at his feet, then he has done a very honorable thing this middle of the night so that nobody knows. And then lastly, he dealt honorably and honestly with his nearest kinsman by offering him the right of first refusal. It's kind of like Abraham and Law. Okay, you go there, you take the best land, okay, I'll go somewhere else. Something like that, I felt. So looking at the story of Ruth this way, what do you see? What kind of names the, the, does um, Ruth and Boaz have? I think they both had good names. Good names. And the good name is kindness. They were kind. That's why they had a good name. Kindness, in English, hesed, in Hebrew, actually translated as loving kindness, and books have been written just on this word, the hesed of God, God's loving kindness, and in Greek, krestos. So, what kind of a name do you have? You have a good name? Smelly name? When people look at you, or when people look at your church, when people look at this group that you say you go to every Friday, a cell group, what kind of a name do you have? What do they see? Do they see in PPH or, or, or you as politically correct? I see political correctness because you will never say anything offensive and you will never go against anybody, just politically correct. Or do they see doctrinal purity as in you are blasting everybody? Do they see religious legalism? Okay, uh, absolutely uh, cannot do this and cannot do that because it's the law of the Bible. Or do they see you, wow, every Tuesday go to Bible, Tuesday Bible study, some religious Bible study freak. What I hope they see is kindness. Chesed. Loving kindness. Christos. And we see kindness all over the Bible. Ruth was kind to Naomi. Boaz was kind to Ruth. King David was kind to his best friend's disabled son, Mephibosheth. The unnamed slave girl was kind to her Syrian master. In two weeks from now, we will be talking about some of God's laws mentioned in Ruth. It's based on kindness. The, the law of leverage marriage, which we'll talk about. The law of gleaning. The law of redemption. We see the kindness of God. In the New Testament, we see the overwhelming kindness of Jesus in all His interactions how he forgave the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, his kindness to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 3, and of course the kindness of the good Samaritan, which I hope I can talk about uh, on Easter Sunday. The lesson is be kind to your neighbours, even if they are from a different race, even if they are from a different religion. Later on, I've asked for this song to be sung, 10,000 Reasons. You're rich in love, you're slow to anger, your name is great, and your heart is kind. This is my favorite uh, stanza in, in that whole song. Your name is great. Your heart is kind. Eight months ago, I had a new member in the Tang family. He's got his own Facebook page. He's got his own Instagram. He's 11 months old now. A baby. And uh, where is my page? Six. His name? Is Bo Tang. 
His name, and he is so frustrating. You know, there are times where I felt like killing him, if not kick him. Of all of, of the four humans in my home, which is myself, my son, my wife, and my helper, we say that Bo's favorite human is my wife, Angeline. Why? She is the kindest to him, which I grudgingly acknowledge. I think I'm quite a kind person, but she is ultra kind to Bo. And she always comes to Bo's defense. Oh yeah, but he's only a baby. Oh yeah, but he's only a baby. You see, we mean the world to Bo. Without us, he would starve to death. He would be starved of food, of companionship, of love. And his sad eyes look to us for food. And we give him food and snacks like carrots and apples and his all-time favorite, mango. Thai mango. Hey, don't wala. My, my, my brother's golden retriever, durian. Durian. We open our hands and we satisfy his need for love. He calls on us. Actually, he doesn't call. He whines. Okay? It's a real irritating uh, whine. And when he wants companionship, which he wants a lot, even at night when we're all supposed to sleep, he'll be like whining for companionship. We're going to sit there and pet, pet him to sleep. It's just like Psalm 145, which has the theme of the kindness of God. Look at Psalm 145 from verse 13. Your, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praises of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. How is God kind? How is God kind? He, he's kind because He upholds the falling. Verse 14 of Psalm 145. Now, I read recently a book about a famous lawyer in Singapore who died. His name is Subhas Anandan. Any of you heard of Subhas Anandan? The, the guy who always defends criminals and all that. You see, when he was 17 years old, he, he was an RI, my alma mater, and he ran the cross-country race for the school. But he was also a very good soccer player. So straight after finishing the cross-country race in McRitchie, somebody drove him from McRitchie to RI. I, I don't know. It's probably the Braspasa Road in, in those days. And then he played football for the school. His school principal saw him coming late to the soccer game and pulled him up and scolded him. He said, you think you're a star player or what? You've got no discipline. You don't come for warm-up. You're not... A, no, not, not a team player, you just come late and you expect to, to, to play the game in front of the other school principal, the opposing team and some of the teachers. But Subhas kept quiet. The next day, the principal found out what happened. 
and called him up. Say, hey, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me you have already run a grueling cross-country race for the school and then you still come and play uh, soccer for the school? And what was Subha's reply? He said, I didn't want to make you look stupid in front of the other principal. Actually, he said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make you, make, I, I didn't want you to make an ass of yourself. Those are the words he used in front of the other school principal. Hey, that was kindness. You uphold the falling. He could have just blasted the principal and made the principal look really stupid. That was kindness. And Ruth upheld her, if you think she was, Naomi's that, that cankerous, that bitter, that complaining mother-in-law. Ruth upheld her. Boaz upheld some down-and-out, out-of-town foreign worker. Ruth. So how is God kind? He gives them food in due season. James chapter 2, verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but that's nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? I feel very proud to be associated with Care Channels International. Um, in fact, I've been chairman since January last year. We work closely. PPH is one of the uh, one of the supporters of uh, Care Channels, which uh, our brother Singing started uh, about 10 years ago. Last year, we just came out with our annual report. Last year, we fed 4,079 children. 4,079. Most of them get anything from three meals to five meals a week. And so we have been able to live out Psalm 145 and James 2. Giving of food is kindness in action. And so Boaz gave food to Ruth. Sometimes behind the scenes, nobody knows. And Ruth tap out food for mother-in-law. You open your hands and you give them the food in due season. How is God kind? He opens his hand. Uh, I think two or three Impact magazines ago, I read the story that uh, Dr. Tan Lai Yong wrote. Some of you, if you don't know Dr. Tan Lai Yong, he was, uh, uh, he's a member of a sister church, Bethesda Frankel Estate. He was a missionary to China uh, for many years, and then now he's back in Singapore teaching in NUS. And when he was in China, he met this 80-year-old man who had uh, a serious lung illness. I don't know what, probably cancer or something. And his children don't visit him because they're far away. His wife lives in the institution because she, was, she had dementia. But this man refused to be hospitalized for treatment. Uh, he said, I, I'm just old already. It doesn't matter. And what could Dr. Tan Layong do? He just opened his hand and gave him some medicine. And I think he said it was probably just Panadol. And Dr. Tan Layong said this, I opened my hand, gave him medicine, with as much tender care and kindness that I could muster. That's like, <laughs> somehow give you Panadol in, in the most loving way I can because that's all he could do, just Panadol. But I believe that open hand of kindness meant more to this old man than chemotherapy or whatever $1,000 drugs that uh, Tan Layong could have given. You would have heard the feedback from some of our Telugu and Bangladeshi patients at our Panjuru Clinic, which is open every Thursday night, they are amazed at our doctors because our doctors open their hands and touch them, actually touch them to diagnose the illness 
many of which are skin illnesses because of the kind of work they do and the environment that they are in. And they say that doctors at other clinics might use their pen to poke, poke, poke at them and they won't, they won't touch them. And people can sense your kindness and your sincerity when you open your hands and even in a handshake can be sensed. And so Ruth opened her hands. I believe she must have held Naomi's hands many, many a times as they journeyed from Moab back to Israel. Boaz opened his hands to Ruth by inviting her to his own dining table. How is God kind? He is near to all who call on him. Kindness is about nearness. It's about proximity. Or if you want to learn one big English word, propinquity. You can do that in your essay. Maybe you can get more marks. I read about this story of a 46-year-old woman. She's divorced, three children, and she had breast cancer. So she went through several months of chemotherapy following a mastectomy. And then for a year, she thought she was okay. Then the doctor called up to tell her they found more cancer. And then she said that her, her relatives tried to be kind, but she had a feeling that they were afraid that somehow breast cancer can be contagious. So they called, but they never visited. And she said that really hurt. One Sunday, uh, sorry, one Saturday, she was heading out for the laundromat. You know, you put coins and you wash your laundry. And she said, I see the same people there almost every week. Uh, we exchange greetings like Americans do. Uh, Hello, you know, how are you? What are you doing? Uh, how are you doing? Just make small talk, but they don't really know one another. And one day when she was taking the laundry from her car into the laundromat, she saw this man whom she recognized a little, and he was taking his finished laundry to his car. And like good Americans do, how you doing? Good morning. And then as she was greeted that way, she just broke down and cried. And she just told this man, this is the worst day of my life. My doctor just told me I got more cancer. And then the man put his arm around her and just let her cry. And then he said, yeah, my wife's been through the same thing. And then after a few minutes, she felt better. She went into the laundry. The man went off. About 15 minutes later, the man came back in to the laundry, this time with his wife. And the wife, without saying a word, went over to this lady and just hugged her and said, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And she said, I cannot tell you how much it meant to me. Here was this total stranger who came near, who came near to me at my lowest moment. And they just sat with me and they were kind. In the same way, Ruth stayed near to her mother-in-law, was close to her. Boaz was close to his workers. He eats with them. He harvests with them. He sleeps even in that threshing floor. So how is God kind? Psalm 145, he upholds the falling. He gives them food. He opens his hand. He's near. In the early church, Greek was lingua franca. It's, it's the language of, of the day. And the New Testament, you all know, was written in, in Greek. The Greek word for kindness is krestos. The Greek word for Christ is Christos. In the Greek alphabet, there are six letters. There's only one that's different. One is I, one is E. You might think that maybe in the first century, people got confused between kindness and Christians, kindness and Christ, or they just saw every Christian as kind. 
I don't know what it is. Dogs can detect kindness. You know, right? By now you should know. Man can also detect kindness. It can be seen in our eyes. It can be seen or heard in our spoken language or our unspoken body language. It can be felt the way we open our hands or even the way we shake hands or the way we touch one another. So what would you be known for? What do you think PPH ought to be known for? What kind of a name should we have? What kind of a name do we have? Let it be the name that these are a people that Almighty God has transformed from sinful, selfish people to kind people. They must see us as holding up those who are weak and falling. They must see us as giving food to the poor. They must see us always with open hands and they must see us as being near to all who need help. What should we be known for? People with the kindness of God. That's a good name to have. So Proverbs 22.1 tells us a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment. Let's sing this song that I was uh, talking about. His name is great, his heart is kind. Let's have a worship team come. Some weeks ago, I was talking to a PPH uh, teenager. And this person was telling me how life can be so unkind, even in church. Um, or maybe the kids... They don't even realize it. They just thought they were being very uh, witty or, or very smart. And there was kind of teasing and uh, just language going a- a- around um, young people. Uh, the one I heard was like, this person says, oh, I need space. And then some teens around this person, oh, you sure do. You know why? Because this person was a little bit fat. You think about it, it's like, oh, so witty, so witty. But it was so unkind. It was so unkind. Because all of us think that we are kind people. I mean, if I ask you now, are you kind? Sure. Uh, <laughs> what have I done that is not, not, not kind? But let's look at Psalm 145, you know. If you are kind, are you upholding the falling? If you are kind, are you giving them food? If you are kind, do you open your hands if you're kind, are you near to people? I think those are good um, parameters to, to think about. Be kind to one another and show the Christos, showing Christos in Christos. Be kind to one another. And I think blood donation is very kind. But seriously, go and check out the website because there are all kinds of conditions where you cannot donate blood. So when I check there, I, I am disqualified on two counts. So cannot donate. So I just told my elders, hey, I got no credibility, man. I got no street cred in asking people to donate blood. But that's what it is. Kindness is about looking out for that lonely one in the church. When you have lunch later, there might be that one or few who are always off in a corner and kind of hard to reach out to, kindness is going near. 
kindness is upholding the falling, giving food, opening your hands, being near. Let's stand as we sing this song together.
respond to the Lord and let's just measure ourselves against the Psalm 144 criteria. Are we kind people? Is that the good name that we are associated with? When people look at you, when people look at your cell group, your church, yourselves, do they see Christos? Or do they see heart Christos? A heart Christian? Let's just ask the Lord for, for strength. It's not in our nature to be kind. It's in our nature to be selfish. So are we uphold, upholding the falling? The weaker ones around us, people who need help, uphold the falling. Do we give food, sustenance, encouragement? Are our hands open or are they clenched tight? Are we near or do we pull back and move away? These few things. And ask the Lord to give us eyes, open eyes, sensitive spirit so that our kindness can touch some life. So come to God as grateful recipients of God's kindness. His name is great and His heart is kind. And after we have received, then we can give. Freely we receive, freely we give kindness. And let the Lord move in our hearts. Every one of us will have a name that means kindness. So come to Him in prayer. Come to Him in dedication, in commitment and recommitment. I want my name to mean kindness. I want all those around me, when they see me, they see kindness. So welcome to pray at the altar again and have someone pray together with you. If you have some name in mind that the Lord has convicted you of showing kindness to, then ask Him for strength, otherwise we can't. So let's come before the Lord. Just leave this time open as I end in a closing prayer and we can continue to just seek the Lord over this. Lord, we thank you that we receive your kindness. And out of a name that is great, a heart that is kind. That God Almighty, high above, would condescend to us, forgive our sins, cleanse us from unrighteousness. That we can stand here and say, God, I'm sinless. It's all forgiven. I'm righteous. Jesus has taken away my sin He's given me a robe of righteousness He's been so kind to me Thank you Lord Let me now just get some more strength from you to go out into the world 
and to be kind. Thank you, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.